Welcome to the Real-Time Recap, brought to you by the Unity Education Team. My name is Thomas Winkley, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we're going to be bringing you highlights talking about the news, community efforts, and future of technology to keep all of you tied into the future of Real-Time 3D. You can find a link to our Unity Facebook community and Discord in the show notes. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast to get the updates every time we release an episode. And if you have a colleague that you know would love to jump into the world of Real-Time 3D or is already there, send this their way. I can't believe I'm saying this, but we are officially starting episode one of the Real-Time Recap. This podcast, just in case you missed the intro, is a way for Unity's social impact team to communicate with the educators and nonprofits doing incredible work in this space. Throughout the series, we want to talk about resources, technology, developments, and ways you can implement this into your classrooms, into your workspaces, or into your daily lives. I thought it would be really important to start things off talking about what we're even doing here as a social impact team at Unity and maybe let you meet some of the people behind the scenes. So I wanted to open this up with an interview with Jessica Lindell, our VP of Social Impact, and introduce you to some of the rest of the team. I'm Jessica Lindell. I'm the Vice President of Social Impact and Education at Unity. So it's safe to say this is your organization. This is your your crew. No, it's safe to say that I am uh, the supporter of all the amazing work that everyone does here. All right. Fair, fair. Um, so what is it that drew you to come to Unity to do this? So over a decade ago, I was lucky enough to be running a learning games company. And we built the company on Unity. And in the, the process of our user testing and working with the young middle schoolers, we had the privilege of giving them these incredible learning games from IP like SimCity and Plants vs. Zombies and Words with Friends. And all the young people wanted to do was mod the learning game that we gave them. And I realized that there's this unlimited intrinsic motivation to mod and eventually create your own story to influence the world. And along that path and along that motivation, you learn all the skills you need in 21st century careers, creativity, collaboration, communication, and really that intrinsic motivation can unlock economic opportunity for everyone in the world. And Unity, as we all know, is in almost every single country in the world. So it really seemed like the path to economic opportunity. Cool. That's that's really cool context to hear about how that works and how you think about it, because that is true. Right? We see it in our communities a lot, and I'm sure the educators hear it, see it. If tomorrow you had to teach Unity, or yeah, if you had to teach it tomorrow, what would you do? What's your tip for the educators? How would you dive in? I have a very simple answer, which is go to the learn.unity hub and open the educator hub, and you're off and running. That's all you need to do. No background skills required. So as you probably heard, our mission really aligns with spreading and getting global access to real-time 3D technology to help drive future careers for folks of all ages, backgrounds, ethnicities, nationalities, anywhere you're from, we want you to be able to create whatever vision you have and hopefully be financially successful as well, right? Build yourself a career and a future because real-time 3D has so much attached to it, including collaboration, programming, art, design, engineering. There's just so much that goes into it that you're going to learn valuable skills or be teaching valuable skills to push this forward. 
Now that Jessica's given us some insight into what the team is doing and what social impact's rallying around, let's meet some more folks from the team and hear about what they do and get advice from them. My name is Alex Grady. I uh, work as an education program manager at Unity. Um, I'm from New Zealand. You might tell I've got a funny accent, but I am based out of Austin, Texas, and I've been at Unity for just coming on three years now. I'm fortunate enough to be able to work with schools and educators. I'm an educator by background. I get to spend time working on solutions to help it make it easier for educators to bring Unity into the classroom or for schools that already have Unity in the classroom to help them improve their programs, expand their programs, and just generally feel more confident about preparing students for jobs of the future. Xavier Ruiz. I am from Houston, Texas. And here at Unity, I am a certification project manager. Started as an intern on the education programs team. And now I'm, yeah, like I said, working as a certification project manager. And my name is Utsav. I'm a product manager in the academics and nonprofit team. I help productize Unity's multitude of products. I am Veronica Brown. I am a learning experience designer, also known as an instructional designer. And I write and help maintain the content on the Learn platform. Israel Macias, and I am the academic and nonprofit sales manager here. Stuart Trafford, based in Boston, originally from Manchester, England. My job at Unity is to support our academic and nonprofit channel partners to enable equal, equitable access to our products, services, and training globally. Now that you've met some of the team, and be assured this is a small part of the total social impact team, the Unity Social Impact team sits at just about 50 to 60 members, all working in various parts of the business to help make sure you all get the support you need. I thought it would be interesting to find out what drew them to Unity, and specifically, what drew them to the Unity Social Impact organization. You'll hear the same voices, just with some different answers for you. It's an amazing culture. It's the largest company I've ever worked in. However, our team is reasonably small and we also have this kind of culture of you know if you've got a, an idea and it's a good idea that kind of is the startup environment kind of thing whereby you know if you see that there's someone in the community who comes to you with this problem the team actually will rally around and like solve that it's not too big where you feel like you're just a cog in uh, a big wheel and and your ideas or your things won't ever sort of come to fruition i feel like there's been multiple occasions where people on our team have you know, just like rally around, get something done really quickly to solve a school issue or a, a user issue or something like that. So that feels really great. It kind of all started with I ran a student club on my college campus that was dedicated to teaching other people how to use Unity. And I saw an internship on Unity's career site that was for supporting the education programs team. And I just thought that that aligned really nicely with the stuff that I already did and was really interested in, which is, you know, teaching people how to use Unity, empowering them to use this technology to express themselves creatively. And so, yeah, I decided to apply for that internship. I got it. But even beyond that, I was really just interested in Unity as a software. I was introduced to it from an artistic perspective. One of my first art classes I took at college was called 3D Modeling for Creative Practice. And it was less of a 3D modeling class and more of a VR class because my professor had like a really big knack for VR. And so he kind of just threw the, these like Maya tutorials at us and said, figure it out, but then also bring it into Unity. And that's kind of where it all began. 
I learned Unity in school. Before that, I was building games with C++. And when I learned about Unity, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, wow, it's this easy to build games. And ever since then, I've been using Unity for my own projects professionally. I, then I became a software engineer at Unity. And I realized we had an education team that worked on making Unity available and easy to learn for, for a lot of students. So when I found that out, I really wanted to be a part of that team. And that's how I ended up in the education team. I love the fact that learning is part of social impact, that Unity as a company sees Supporting education, nonprofits, schools, people who are upskilling their careers as part of their giving back to the world mission. I've learned about the possibilities of, of what Unity can do as a platform and, and, and what's going to be moving forward. I've kind of just looked at it as an opportunity to help shape the future that my children are going to have, the way they learn, the way they are entertained, the way that they experience healthcare. I, I see that as uh, something that I'm helping people form, starting at just learning Unity. The reason I joined Unity was, first and foremost, I believe in the technology, and I believe in our social impact mission to create equal, equitable access. There's so much opportunity across multiple disciplines, multiple markets, and I truly believe was only scratching the surface. Hope that was a good intro for you as to why Unity has set aside a social impact team to dive forward and help universities, nonprofits, and other organizations really impact the world and help grow future creators that can take these skills forward and help develop what the future is going to look like for all of us. Because this technology, while prevalent, is still young, it's still early. With that being said, let's dive forward into a discussion with Joya Horvath and Utsav Jamal, and we'll talk more about teaching Unity in the classroom and where to get started. This is more what the show is going to be like, is like the three of us talking and other people talking. We wanted to start this episode up with all the introductions, you know, meeting the team and all of that stuff. Um, so hi, I'm Tom Thomas. I'm a technical marketing advocate here on the uh, academic and nonprofit team. We might have a fancy new name coming up, but for now, we're going to use that one. And I'm joined by two incredibly smart panelists. Joy, tell the people who you is. I is Joy. Hello. Yes. Uh, I am a senior and social designer on the also potentially going to change name, but uh, real-time learning team. Whatever we're called, we're the people who deal with learn. So that's that's what we do. That's who we are. And that's who I am. So like, you know how most websites just have gremlins that keep them running? Is your is your team the gremlins? Are y'all the y'all the gizmos? Uh, I would say no. I would say Neil's team is actually the gremlin team. They're the ones in the background building all the stuff, making the things move. Though maybe, Utsav, maybe you are now. Is that the direction that we're going? You're, you're going to be the gremlin? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I'm going to be one of the gremlins uh, keeping keeping the learn platform alive. Um, for reference, I am Utsav. I'm, I'm a product manager on the on the previously mentioned academics and nonprofit team that, that Thomas is a part of as well. Uh, hopefully a better new name upcoming, but uh, I, I will be one of the gremlins making the Learn platform work. Awesome. So the reason the three of us have come together for this discussion is we are all highly invested in education. And we figured the first episode to kick this thing off, it'd be really cool to talk about teaching Unity. Uh, you know, I've been teaching Unity for four years now. Um, Joy, you've taught it for 
Technically since 2010, though, when I was initially hired to teach Unity the first time, I hadn't known it yet. But I, I first yeah. got my first paycheck for teaching Unity in 2010. And so you've been heavily steeped in education with your background and you're on some educational boards. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually taught when I was in grad school. I taught undergrads and I, I'm on a school education board back in the Granite School District in Utah. I don't know if... Uh, if uh, it, teaching game devs counts but uh, but I've I've been heavily involved in in presenting and and helping architect games uh for for major studios as well. Yeah. So I think to start this conversation off, you know, let's start with like the beginning stuff, right? Where brand new, you're just getting into the situation, you need to teach it, you need to start your students somewhere. Where do you go? What do you do? I know the obvious answer for us is go to learn, right? Like we're all going to be like, go to learn, learn.unity.com slash educators, which of course, but what, like, what other things can you do outside of that to help prepare yourself to dive in and get these kids rolling, moving, doing their thing? You're really going to make me try and suggest something other than my bread and butter, aren't you? I am. I really am. I'm going to try to see if you can, and it doesn't have to be like a place to go. It could be like a mindset to step into or a way to dive, like what, what do you need? Like, how do you need to be thinking or approaching this type of vocational education opportunity? I don't want it so hard to say. I think that the most important thing is to approach learning unity or approaching any form of technology with a healthy sense of fear um, and more like you're going to become overwhelmed immediately. And I think it's really important to know that that is normal and that everybody experiences it and just kind of work your way through it. So as you are sitting there thinking, what is this? I'm totally overwhelmed. I, I don't have any concept of how I'm possibly going to be able to figure this out. Just know that's part of the process. That's normal. That's the correct feeling. Everybody should feel terror at the beginning of a learning journey. And that <laughs> should be inspiring. I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah. Like no, every time yeah. I try and learn something new, I'm always scared. Is that it's just that, me? No, it's that it's that healthy fear, right? That like, I don't like the fear of discovery. Like, I don't know where I'm going right now. Mm -hmm. And then you get that like a little bit of fear, a little bit of adrenaline. Y'all can't see me like gripping on my chest right now, but like, and then you kind of like step through that threshold, right? And kind of enter this new exciting world, right? Like bungee jumping in a way. Yeah, exactly. Like right yeah. before you jump, like it, it's scary in that, like, I would say that that moment of right before you jump is probably scarier than the actual act itself. Because by mm -hmm. the time you're already falling, you're just like pure, like we adrenaline. Yeah. But yeah, that anticipation approach, the anticipation with knowledge that you are not alone. You know, but, but I, I will kind of add to that. I think, you know, you mentioned it very well. Once you take the plunge, you're not as scared anymore. Right. I, I think at that point you should, you should feel excitement taken over that fear, right? Excitement of of learning something new and you know the way i deal with with that fear is kind of starting with the self-evaluation right like and, and what do i mean by that like maybe you've never used unity but have you used a 3d program before do you know how to pan and zoom in a 3d 3d world in a 3d editor before uh have you used photoshop before do you understand file types or not right so a lot of these end up being prereqs for learning Unity, and and you want to self-evaluate and, and be very honest in, in how many of those prerequisites are do you already know, and and you know if you want to start the journey at the prerequisite phase. So yeah, yeah, I, that's a, a really great way of look, looking at it, and I think um, if you really do thinking about it objectively, 
you will find things that yeah. are, are commonalities between programs that you've used before, even it's right, if it's right down to like, well, I barely even know how to use a computer, but I certainly know how to use a mouse and go to file save. That's still something. It all counts. Yeah. And I think that like, I really like the healthy fear analogy, right? And the how to manage the fear. And, you know, the way I look at it is the learn community and the discord and the Facebook and our team, we're the bungee cord, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so like, maybe look back and realize that like, cause how do you, how do you talk yourself into jumping off that ledge? Right. I can't wait for an executive at Unity to be like, did you really talk about teaching game dev, like jumping off a cliff? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's what we do here. But like it, it, you have to look back and think about the support systems you have to hold you and tether you in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we do have, you know, at that point learn and all those things that we're not supposed to talk about. Cause I tried to wedge the question without recommending our bread and butter, but <laughs> you know, you have all those things. And, and I think what's for me, I'm an experienced sharer kind of person. I don't know if y'all are like that, but like we were talking about adult beverages earlier and how like I love sharing them with people. Mm -hmm. And it's real-time 3D is kind of the same way. Like seeing students go through that journey and having that healthy fear and then getting the we and then suddenly doing the thing and then teaching others. It's a really cool, like, it's a really cool cycle. And even though I haven't worked in like formal education, I, I would almost wonder if that's part of the joy of teaching in general of seeing that happen in other subjects as well, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's really nothing better than, you know, speaking with a student or, you know, interacting with them in some way and seeing that they're really nervous about their next steps and maybe not having confidence in themselves and then just checking in with them in a few weeks to a few months, you know, however long and having them practically forget that they were scared in the first place. Like they're so into what they're doing. They're like, I don't. Yeah, this is great. I was born to do this. I love it. It's like, right. remember when you were scared? What? No. It's like, yeah, you were, you were a scared little buddy, but now, now you're a functional little buddy. Good job. I want that on shirts. Functional <laughs> little buddy. <laughs> that's what, man, now that I think about it, like, I think that's the best that we could all try for every day to just be a functional little buddy. Yeah. Like if you're doing that, you're on the right track. You won. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry. You got cut off, brother. What were you going to say? No, no, no. You're, I, I, I was just, uh, you know, I, it reminded me of a time when I was TA and I was teaching 3D modeling in school to undergrads, and and I remember the first class, and and most of those students were struggling to just just be in the 3D space, um, right? And at the end of that class, at the end of that four month long semester, everybody had a character. In fact, everybody had two characters. One was realistic. One was fantastical, right? And and, you know, I think going back to Joy's functional little buddy point, it's exciting to see that. It's like, you, you're just, you, you feel good. Like, I'm sure the students feel good, but you as an educator feel right. like amazing to see, you know, the, the, how you've empowered your students to, to create something out of nothing, pretty much. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, you have to do those like incremental checkbacks, right? Like, yep. you know, we're going to call them functional little buddy checks, FLBs. <laughs> Um, but like you have to look back at what you struggled with and what you're doing really well and how you've built on top of, for some reason, a pyramid always comes to mind. I think it's because I had a math teacher that was always like, you're going to learn the base of mathematics. And then from the base of mathematics, you'll put your next block on top. And they did not sound like a cartoon character, but in my <laughs> head they do. And like, but there's that, you know, you build those foundations and it's really always rewarding to look back a year and go, okay, well, last year I couldn't get five students to successfully publish an experience on a meta quest. Mm -hmm. and this semester we had 10 right yep. or 20 uh like and to start checking those little bubbles micro growths and seeing how it grows out because learning to troubleshoot just connectivity issues of yeah. that type of stuff is a skill 
um, you know, in a muscle you build. Yeah, no, it, it, it reminds me of, I think, uh, Thomas, you and I were, were doing the GGP presentation yeah. where we were talking about different kind of schedules and project management. And I think we talked about breaking down your big game into smaller achievable goals and objectives, right? And, and I think be, being able to go back and look at your progress, you're kind of looking at, at that incremental progress mm-hmm. right and you're, you're able to kind of test that out validate that look at it and 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 even though you don't feel or or you may feel like you're not progressing you can see that progression and hopefully that inspires you to keep going yeah, yeah that it actually reminds me of something that i was thinking about yesterday um about the concept of big and small victories and how mm-hmm. that in itself is almost like a fallacy because a victory is still a victory. And by just saying, Oh, it's a small victory. It's kind of discounting the fact that you did accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think specifically I was thinking about this in terms of publishing to a mobile device for the first time. And even if it's just like a cube uh, you're, you're publishing to a, right. a brand new platform. And so the idea that, Oh, well you made your first publish. That's a small victory. Excuse me. No, that's a victory. A, that is a victory, sir. Like that, that's not something to be discounted. And so, uh, you know, breaking things into smaller chunks does not mean that your victories are smaller. It means that you have more victories. That's all. Yeah. And it's a, it's a minor perspective, right? You know, we, I play a lot of fighting games, if y'all didn't know, and we have a, we have a, a phrase we like to use in that, in that world. It's called, we take those, right? <laughs> and sometimes you do have a small W because maybe you are in a position to receive said W because somebody made a mistake in the game and you won the match. Mm. still a W we take those right and like I think that's a mentality you should drive forward when teaching this and when engaging with this tech of like you know what I like I how I mean raise your hand you can't see your hands but if you've ever solved a problem and the code works and you're not 100% sure why <laughs> hands yeah. up right <laughs> all the hands yeah that's what we take those like you know what it's working it's doing what I need it to do if I ever have to debug this somebody help me god yeah god help me, me. <laughs> but like <laughs> but it works right and, and, and I think like and what will happen, though, I think, is you'll go back a year later to that same project and you know exactly why it works. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably see four ways you can make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I love the I love the idea of there's no small W's. They're all W's. That's a it's another T-shirt. We already had two T-shirts. <laughs> got functional little buddies and no small W's. Hey, so so off topic, I can actually get you those T-shirts and, and made in. Oh, we, we can talk about that post uh, post our podcast. Now, now we're going to have to have like a podcast about like fashion in, in tech. Fashion. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> I mean, there's some really interesting stuff happening with fashion in Unity and tech oh, in yeah. general. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you yeah. know, I actually built a fashion game, a fashion mobile prototype when I was in school, when I was learning Unity. One of my projects was was building fashion by simple shapes um, for for kids so they can dress up their models and avatars. Jeez. But the the only constriction was to use simple shapes. Interesting. Um, that's super cool. Yeah, it was a very interesting project. Yeah, it's awesome. Actually, that's a good transition point. I feel like we've talked a bit about education. Obviously, a lot of learn resources <laughs> on learn.unity.com and other places you can go. We have the community, which are all posted in the show notes. If you've not engaged with the Unity yeah. community team. Uh, there's a Discord and a Facebook <laughs> link in the show notes, and there's also going to be uh, links to all of our resources. But is there any real-time 3D news that you all think is interesting we should discuss today? Anything like you've read recently? I've got one or two in mind. I have a 
kind of a tangential, not super news, but news to me sort of thing that I feel like in the future might become more relevant. Hit us with it. Okay, so there is a company called Zozo Fitness or just Zozo. They were a thing. No, in I the do past not. So I, I let that. you talk and about what you read. Whole business model is they have this like two piece. It's not really a suit. It's like a top and a bottom, like something you'd get at Old Navy to like sleep in. But it's covered with all these dots. And the idea is that with their app and that suit with the dots in your house, you can get highly accurate body scans that are like accurate within a quarter of an inch. And I think that's going to be really relevant in the future as that tech evolves, because then we could have like truly like accurate avatars in the metaverse. Also like for clothing applications, if you want to wear clothes online and know that they fit for sure, all this other stuff, I'm just really excited by it. And this is a really cool solution in my mind, because one of the big challenges with getting accurate human measurements um, for 3d is that uh, Apple has LiDAR in their newer devices, but there's been no real solution for Android yet. But this is the first cross-platform solution that I found, and it just comes down to wearing some comfortable dotty PJs, and I just think that's really neat. No, I think that's a really cool like cross of intent versus no intent, right? Because the mm -hmm. intent there is fitness, mm -hmm. but that same tech is going to drive success other yep. ways, and that that's super thoughtful. Um, yeah. Also kind of looking into that, like I actually, I, I got really excited about learning about that yesterday. I actually picked it up because uh, I really wanted to see like how accurate it was because the reviews are really great. And so I just think it's really cool. And the idea of being able to just get that real time data in and represent yeah. that in digital platforms, just really cool. And yeah, if we could like find a way to rig ourselves. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I mean, we can use biped rigs. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. I'm really excited about that. So that's that. That's my yeah. off the cuff news. Yeah, I like it. I've, I've done some motion capture work before, so motion builder um, and basic biped rig. If you set that up, you should be able to kind of use those two things and and clean up the the data in in motion builder, depending on the kind of data they give out. Um, but uh, but we could probably program those sensors to give kind of the animation data or, or movement data, translation data. It's it's a cool project. Maybe and, we should do it. Yeah. Computer vision is getting better, you know, like you're mm -hmm. able to delineate between like humans. Like I was reading through the uh, uh, the AR Foundation API actually, and like they're able to start looking at like occluding humans at different ranges. And there's a lot of really powerful image recognition going on there. Um, yeah. The only like two things I'd rec I'd want to bring up and this one would be a short one, but I think I wanted to talk about it because I'm excited about we're seeing the tech get cheaper. Mm -hmm. Is the Vive XR Elite is open for pre-order, um, mm -hmm. or it actually might be on sale by the time we release this episode. I'm not sure, but you know it's 1,100 bucks, and that's expensive. But if you think about it from the context of the Quest Pro, yep, and where the tech is going, it's cheaper, right? It um, and it's definitely more powerful than the Quest Two. So. I'm excited about that. That's all. I think it's cool. Yeah, that that is something that I'm really interested in keeping my eyes on. And I think it prompts a larger conversation around the price point of VR. Um, because mm -hmm. you are correct. It is substantially cheaper <laughs> than the Pro. I know this from experience. I'm right. still feeling that price tag. But by the same hand, it is 
above a thousand dollars. And if you think about, you know, some of the stuff that John Carmack was talking about and why he off, uh, like ultimately left Meta, you know, he felt that it was perfectly possible to build a sub, I believe it was sub three hundred dollar device. And what direction do we want to go in the industry? How accessible do we want this to be? Or are there going to be different types of VR? Like, are we going to see entertainment VR occupy a certain price point and practical VR occupy another price point? Like, I'm very interested in seeing how the market's going to evolve, I'd say, in the next three to five years as uh, like commercial headsets become far more common. I agree. It'll be interesting to see what that future holds. We're going to wrap it up on that. You know, we don't want this to be like super long, super lengthy, but we definitely want to talk about different subjects. So a couple things, just a reminder, and we're going to remind you again, I'm sure if you're like, yo, I've never taught Unity, but I'm going to be, or I'm going to start, check the show notes. We have links to all of our communities, how you can get access to your free educator licenses, that type of stuff. Um, get out to us. If you have questions, if you were in this community or else and you want to ask questions, you can send an email to rtrecap at unity3d.com. It's also going to be listed in the notes and uh, we'll bring it up and talk about it during our new section. Um, I think this is going to be releasing every couple of weeks, so please hit the subscribe button. Maybe review us, unless you don't like this, in which case, please don't review it. Um, I'm kidding. If you don't like it, you can say that too. But uh, it's been super fun hanging out. Joy, it's up. Thank you so much for chilling with us and talking about teaching the game devs. And uh, we'll see you all in the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Time Recap, the Unity Education Team's podcast about what's going on in industry and your link to finding more resources to teaching the world of real-time 3D. If you have questions, comments, concerns, want to discuss the topic, send an email to rtrecap at unity3d.com. Make sure to review and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.